Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code STEVE, S-T-E-V-E. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on pulpmx.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOsports.com. The original moto podcast featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. I'm your host, Steve Mathis, as usual. And it's fitting, on the Mike Krodowski day, we've got Mike Krodowski on the podcast, one of the most underrated riders of all time. Thank you, Mike, for doing this, and uh, congratulations on your day. <laughs> oh, hey, that's great. That's an honor. Um, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice to uh, touch base with you. And for people who are wondering, Mike and I have done a – career wrap-up podcast it was maybe 2009-ish you can check the archives on itunes under steve mathis classics and i think we talked for an hour and a half about your whole career so this isn't going to be that podcast but i guess basically let's uh, let's catch up with you right now what's going on in your world these days um right now i'm currently uh trying to pursue a career in the fire service and um I've taken EMT, Firefighter 1, uh, pretty much everything. And then right now I'm a cadet down at the city of Alhambra in California. Mm-hmm. And um, we have four stations there, a lot of great guys there. In fact, a lot of guys ride out of there. So um, mm-hmm. great department, and I'd love to work for them hopefully pretty soon. Um, yeah, well, if, do they know who you are? Like, do you wear your jerseys into work? and? <laughs> Number one jerseys. Uh, I, when I went in there, I think a few of the guys knew that I might be coming. Right. Um, I I had to go through the interview process and everything, and a couple knew. But uh, I, I, you know what, I'm a pretty low key guy, and yeah. I don't really say too much. Um, but as as I've been there longer and longer, guys that I know that ride quite a bit, we we get some time off to the side and we talk moto and mm-hmm. all that stuff for a little bit until until yeah. we get caught. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 pretty cool. But I'm pretty low key about it, so yeah. I don't I don't really say too much. Uh, David Pingree is also trying to do the same thing, and uh, he's been going through schooling after schooling after schooling to to get on somewhere uh, yeah. on the fire fire squad. Um, so who knows? Maybe you and him, if there's some raging inferno, you guys could be side by side swapping motorcycle yeah. stories. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. Cool. What? Um, so, how much do you ride nowadays, or do you at all? Um, I try to ride. I don't know. Every few weeks, I'm I'm more of a fair weather guy. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's if it's not too warm out here, I'll go ride. Um, sometimes we go up in the hills more in the winter time. I'll ride. Yep. Um, we'll get a good group of guys and we'll go off road riding stuff like that. Um, I still ride quite a bit with Mike Webb. Um, a couple other people, local guys that are good riders and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I like going up in the hills and riding the trails. We have some really good trails up here. Um, some older guys have cut, um, in the line and stuff. So it's really good riding. Um, so no moto really. Yeah. I don't, I don't really see you at like day in the dirt or Glen Helen, REM, like just no. that you're over that. 
Yeah, I'm kind of over that. I'll go out to Piru or Gorman, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing, you know, if, I'm not going to drive two hours to go practice or ride like I used to when <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. to. Why bother, so, right? <laughs> yeah, by the time I drive two hours, drive two hours back, stay there for three, come home, wash up my bike, probably my truck, and then all that, there went my whole day. Right. So um, that's why I said I'm more of a fair-weather guy. So And your buddy? If it, if it, Go ahead. If the rain's good and all that, and yeah. the weather's cool, I'm out there. Uh, and your buddy Webb is busy these days, anyways. He got this new rider that that that's you know kind of yeah. A big deal. That's what I heard. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. So <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he's busy with that. But like right now, uh, the Nationals are kind of in between and stuff. So he's mm-hmm. been riding a little bit. And um, Tom Webb, his brother, still at Dirt Bike Magazine, and yeah. so I ride with him a little bit and everything. So the Wolfman. Yeah, I, I still talk to him. You yeah. uh, what, what do you got for a bike? I have a Suzuki RMZ 450, um, fuel injected. Yeah. It's a uh, 09. Yeah. So it, it's in good shape still and everything. And it runs and starts every time I want it to, and I'm fine with that. Please tell me you still wear answer gear. Uh, no, I, oh, don't. Uh, I don't. I wear Troy Lee stuff. Come on. I don't know. Dancer, man. That's what, that's what you are. <laughs> yeah, I've wore that for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then in off-road and stuff, I got hooked up with Troy Lee. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I wear all his cool stuff. Oh, I thought you still wore Answer off-road. My bad. No, oh. no. I never did after motocross. Right. Um, they didn't have much interest in off-road. So uh, mm-hmm. actually, I had what I go to O'Neill, and then uh, M2R gear, and then I went to Troy oh, Lee gear. Yeah, MTR, that's right. Uh, how much do you follow the series now, Supercross Nationals? How much oh. do you uh, are you into it? Yeah, I'll try to go to some of the local Anaheim's, Dodger Stadium, um, some of the local races here. Mm-hmm. And then as far as watching, if I'm not at the race, I usually do watch it, you know, especially now it comes on live. And yep. and then if it doesn't, I'll watch it the next day. I'll set my DVR or I'll watch it. And then, um, you know, I was all over the Nationals when Stewart was racing them yeah. and everything. And then, uh, you know, the Reed wasn't going to be racing. Villapoto was out everything and then now it's just dungy and so now i'm kind of over it so yeah, i'm yeah. <laughs> hoping that Stewart will get back out there and put the suzuki up front because I, I know he can it's just a matter yeah. of his risk getting better hey try going to the races if you think you're over it at home try going to them yeah 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 <laughs> um and and hey a uh, ktm is winning by the way i know go figure. I, like, I know i just go can't, figure. can't get over that concept too that just kind of bugs me for some reason <laughs> right but right. i guess if they work hard enough they're gonna get it eventually yeah no doubt about it uh well, yeah you know you just uh it's funny you're at these races i've never seen you not that i'm you know like but i'm around and no one ever says hey i saw kudowski hey kudowski's here you're just you're just low-key like you said like Jeff Ward's back in the sport as a uh, team owner. Ricky Johnson's yeah. around a lot. Uh, Jeff Stanton's working with Justin Barsha now. Uh, Bradshaw's in the monster trucks and, you know, still getting his fair share of, of limelight. LaRocco, the guy you T-boned after a moto, your teammate, now the team manager yeah. at Geico. But Mike Kurdowski, yeah. just nothing, not not into it, huh? And as a matter of, not even only, not only are you not into it, you're going to try to be a fireman, which is completely, you know, opposite. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that, that it is weird. Um, I think, you know, I was doing motocross, supercross, and then I went to off-road. Um, and then after off-road, it was like I had a lot of friends who were in the fire service. So mm-hmm. I was like, man, you know what, Let's, I want to do something different, you know. And so I, I've been pursuing that for the last five years. But, two, it, it wasn't like 
uh, I guess you could say it wasn't like my phone was ringing off the hook for, Mm -hmm. hey, you want to be a team manager? Do you want to do this in the industry or anything like that? And I I guess I'm not kind of the guy that goes, hey, you know, I'm going to throw my name out there. Who do I call? What do I, you know, it's, um, I don't know. I I guess I'm not a good salesman for myself, (laughs) you'd say. (laughs) Right. but I mean, if the opportunity came around and and there was something good, I I may be interested in it. You know, right. it was a good opportunity. Um, my daughter now is 14 years old. She's starting high school and everything. So um, she's actually kind of into the the supercross and motocross quite a bit. Oh, yeah. um, she likes watching it and stuff. And then she just um, she's going to try to get on the high school golf team. So um, I've been trying to go out with her and play golf and uh, get her lessons and all that stuff. So um, been been keeping busy with that too lately. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. Just uh, one of those guys that just yeah, like you said, just not a not a self promoter, and maybe sometimes yeah. you need to be right. I guess yeah, probably. <laughs> I probably should. I probably should. <laughs> now, um, uh, you see in the article, it's it's my contention that. Uh, who knows where you rank, but you have to rank among the most underrated motocrossers of all time. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a super fan of the sport, and lots of bench racing goes on over beers over every weekend with a lot of guys, and just your name doesn't come up very much. And I feel like, like I said, uh, one of the most underrated racers. Do you feel that way, I guess? Do you feel like do you sit at home in your garage and just – rue the opportunities that you missed out <laughs> or <laughs> i mean how do you feel about that am i am i am i on the right track um well i i think you're on the right track of being underrated but right. as far as is me going yeah oh man like kind of bummed out or whatever um you know i'm i'm certainly not a, a jeff emig plugging myself at every you know national when he's a broadcaster and saying right. how he did this and used to do that um, I don't have that opportunity to do that, but I probably wouldn't do it anyway. <laughs> right. uh, it, but I think uh, me being more humble, it's it's kind of more satisfying because people will come up and go, you know, say if I went to a party somewhere mm-hmm. or a restaurant or something and somebody, you know, was talking moto or something like that, and I'm like, you know, talking with them and kind of letting them talk, and they're like, yeah, man, I was up at Gorman or wherever, and I hit this jump, and, you know, I did this and this and this. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer, you know. And then, like, the next time I see the guy, he's like, dude, I didn't know you were Mike Kudrowski, <laughs> you know. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. he yeah. goes, God, you, you didn't even act like that, you know. Right. You, you didn't say, like, oh, yeah, I used to race motorcycles professionally. You know, yeah. I don't say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no. And they're, they're, like, kind of, like, more stoked about it. So it right. kind of makes me feel actually better and and let them figure it out, you know. Right. So I've been in classes and stuff where guys are talking moto and this and that and everything. I'm like, oh, cool, that's <laughs> awesome. And, you right, know, right. And, and then the guy comes back, like, the next day, and he's like, oh, my God, I didn't know it was you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, as far as that, and then my buddies know what I did, and, you know, for having a beer in the garage or whatever. They know they know that I'm, I've done what I did. Uh-huh. So, um, um when you hung it up, you were fifth all time in AMA outdoor motocross wins all time. Now, since then, yeah. you've been passed by Stewart, RV, and Dungey, and RC, and I think Emig. But you were fifth yeah. when you hung it up. Um, uh, five career Supercross wins, three wins, four or one loss at Motocross the Nations, and yeah. uh, never. Here's what a stat that I 
maybe astounded me the most. Everyone, oh, he couldn't ride Supercross. He was no good in Supercross. I mean, besides the fact you have two straight indoor wins along with three Daytona wins, you never finished outside the top five uh, in Supercross points. And that, yeah. to me, indicates that you were a hell of a Supercross racer. Yeah, I think I think uh, I was a, a good Supercross rider. I, I was a consistent Supercross mm-hmm. rider. Yep. But there was always um, somebody there. You know, there was uh, Stanton or Bale. You know, um, at the time, we had a lot of competition back then, too. There was, yep. there was eight guys that could win, mm-hmm. you know, any given weekend, depending who was feeling good and riding good and bike set up. So um, it was a lot more competitive. Now you get three, four, four or five guys that can do the wow. pace. If everybody doesn't get hurt. And then there's a pretty, yeah. pretty big gap. Right. And then it depends who's going to get hurt first and second and third or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then you have, you know, your guys that are on fire for the whole season. Stanton, McGrath comes around. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple other guys that stand out and stuff and everything. So they end up taking it. And so, you know, you're trying to win every week, but then you end up getting the seconds, thirds, fourths all the time. So Yeah, I, um, I just, I think, I think I, at one time I might have heard somebody be like, ah, he was shitty at Supercross. And, and you just go, oh, all right, okay. And then you actually start looking at it and you're like, wait a minute. You podium Wasn't that bad. Yeah, you podium thirty three percent of the supercross races you entered. Pretty damn yeah. good. You made the box. You uh and like I said, never finished outside besides the Honda Troy comeback, which we're not even gonna get into. Yeah, don't. That, don't. that was a bad bike and a bad idea. Yeah. Um It was a it was a bad year for me all around. <laughs> um uh but and you know what, those never work. Those the comebacks never work. Uh, I know. Whether it's I know. Bradshaw. It's still fun to try. Oh yeah, I know. You probably made some good money and all that, and the bike was horrible, but Anyways, yeah. um, besides that 97 year, you never finished outside the top five in the Supercross points. And let me tell you, of all the racers out there that I know that would gladly take that in, a, in an instant, in a heartbeat, you know, um, to, to stay injury-free and be top five in the points it, 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 for all those years is, is pretty good. Um, do you now – and let me just toot your horn some more. When you hung it up, you were still ranked number – you were going to run number three that next year. Combined yeah. points between Supercross and Motocross, and you just hung it up. Um, we went through this story on the last podcast. It it was pretty yeah. humorous. Uh, your mechanic at the time, Brian Lunas, kind of suggested that you should retire, so you did. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> – I, I know. I, I kind of kicked myself in the butt for that a little bit, especially right. after when I went into off-road. You know, I, I still felt good and was competitive and everything. Right. So I kind of kicked myself in the butt. Uh, I think – I I, sh- I don't know. I mean, I I did it and I decided to do it, um, but I I should have probably kept on racing. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you were look number three. Larocco went. <laughs> Larocco went for a long time. Wyndham's still going strong. Wyndham's younger than me, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I think I could have had at least another five years in there at least. Well, that's what I'm saying. And maybe you wouldn't uh, win, but at least you'd be milking the contracts and be a top guy. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Plus, uh, after that, I mean, the contracts got higher and bigger and everything. You know, did, we started did. getting more TV. Um, so, could, um, could you have stayed at Cowie that next year? I mean, were the, was yeah, it? Yeah, I probably would have. You know, they were they were looking at Damon Brett. I mean, uh, yeah, Damon uh, Huffman to come yep. in. Yeah. And so that's, I think Brian kind of wanted to go, go work for him because um, he knew he was probably coming in. I was going to get, if I got pushed out, mm-hmm. then he would work for Huffman. But if I stayed, I was probably going to get another mechanic. <laughs> I was probably going to pull Shane, my old mechanic, back in, which yeah. I'm sure I would have done. Right. 
Um, so I think that was kind of his motive probably behind it, but it's, it's, you know, water on the right, bridge is right. done and, and everything. But now when I look back, I'm kind of like, shoot, you know, <laughs> I could have probably kept riding, but you know, like I said, I don't, I don't really dwell on the past that much. Yeah. I did what I did and made my decision. So yeah. I, I, amazing though. To, I mean, when, when Stanton hung it up, you know, he, he I think he would have been number eight that next year. He, he was not in the top five very much. Um, yeah. Barnett the same way. Um, you know, obviously RC went out on top, but to be number three ranked rider and just be like, nah, I'm good. It's it's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, stuff happens. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> hey, so let's uh, let's. Do you have a favorite in the four four outdoor titles? Um, do you have a favorite one? Um, I would say probably my. Second, probably my second 125 national win or national championship when I was on Cowies. Yep. Yeah, because, um, you know, you win it once and it's like the next year I lost by, what was it, one or two points? One point. Yeah, one point. Yeah, one point. So it was like, gosh, that, you know, you look back how many times was I in fifth and there was somebody just finished right in front of me at a race, one moto. Yep. You know, it's just one spot. And, and to come back, Howie was really behind me, and they worked a lot on the bike. We all did, mm-hmm. and it was just such a team effort. That it was like, man, that was that was. We did a lot of work, but it came together. Um, so that was the the one of my better ones. And then the two fifty championship was cool too, because I mean, I won a lot of motos that year, mm-hmm. and it was like, I mean, no one could no one could catch me in the outdoors then. Right. So um, that was really cool. Our bike was phenomenal and mm-hmm. everything so uh that was good and um yeah that's about yeah. the two the the uh the well the, the thing with cowie with the 91 title a you had to you had to beat larry ward and <laughs> michael rocco and everybody else swerving all over the place for cooper um yeah because uh, they would drop down to 125s and also probably a lot of people were like he only won because he rode a honda 125 in 89 yeah you know yeah um and and let's write this kid off a little bit and, yeah, but you got to you got to understand my my bike in '89 was a pro circuit bike that Mitch Payton he was doing the cylinders, the right. heads, pipes, mm-hmm. everything. Right. You look at George Holland, uh, the other guys. I don't know was Cooper at Honda yeah, then? Co- I Cooper think was, that year? Yeah, '89 was Cooper. Um, he might have been on a factory bike, uh, some better parts than I was, maybe suspension. Mm-hmm. Um, I always call it, I got the trash can stuff because it was the older <laughs> stuff. Right. And, and Holland got all the new stuff and right. everything. So I basically beat him on a production bike. Mm-hmm. It would have had some works parts, but it was a, a pro circuit motor. Yeah. You know? Yep. So Mitch worked his butt off, you know, for that. So, um, and, you know, it wasn't, I was on a factory wrong machine you know, Honda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were sort of, uh, and you know, and actually speaking of that, that brings me to a story that Mitch did tell me that day at Gainesville where you won and then JMB won the 250s uh, yeah. was a big thing for his company because he made both motors, both pipes, you know, everything was yeah. was pro circuit and they swept and you guys won both classes, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no. And then let's let's get into, uh, you're almost a five-time champion. You lost to Guy Cooper and we all like Coops. Glad he got a national yeah. title. Good guy. Uh, yeah, but you, um, that was 1990 kind of explain. Um, I remember we talked about this in the old podcast and if I wasn't that lazy, I would have gone back and listened to, to research on this one, but I, I didn't, uh-huh. but I believe you said something like JMB obviously was going at it. He was the leader in the points. 
you and you and J and B didn't get along like so many other people with 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 Bale. But you yeah. you got some of his stuff when he got hurt, right? Yeah, we were at Washougal, and he broke his elbow there. Um, I believe he broke it in the whoop section in the front. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, so he was out, and then I raced, and then that night um, Cliff White comes over to my mechanic's room and goes, here, you need to put this on Kudrowski's bike. And it was like a head, a cylinder, ignition, everything. <laughs> and he goes, you got to put it on his bike and for the next race and everything. We're, we're out here. <laughs> And he's like, okay. And he calls me and he goes, hey, I got some parts from Cliff White. I'm like, what? And I go over to his room and I'm like, really? Son of a gun. So we put it on and, man, I went to the next race. I was like, this thing's a freaking rocket ship, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then I think I went and won almost every moto after that. Yeah, um, you, won the next, you won the next three nationals and you finished uh, second the last couple. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The- so, uh now, it wasn't really a case of Honda so much holding stuff back. More it was like Cliff was doing his own work. Is that kind of what we, what we figured um, out? Yeah, Cliff might have been because he was pretty meticulous with everything. Right. Um, but I think uh, Roger had a little bit to do with it, too. Yeah. You know, he was probably like, hey, we, we, you know, we've invested so much in Bale, bringing him over here and everything, mm-hmm. that he needs to win this championship. Right, right. You know, hey, it's great if Kodrowski gets, you know, second or third. Right, right. Fine. Yeah. You know, but uh, we get two, two Hondas in the top five, we're happy. Uh, so. So, so the last race comes out of Unadilla, and uh, Cooper wins, and you get second, and he wins the title. Um, yeah. What, what what was that day like? I mean, like I said, so close to being a five-time uh, AMA motocross yeah. champion. Um, I just remember I the second moto, um, I know me and Cooper went down sometime, maybe the first moto. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hit me or I hit him. We both went down going around that little tree by the mechanics area. Yep. And then um, the second moto, I was in front. He was behind. And maybe he was like fifth or seventh or something. And then I come by with one, two laps to go, and my pit board says, you're the champ. And then I come by the next lap, mm-hmm. and it says, uh, am I allowed to say fuck it on, yeah. TV, on the radio? Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. it says fuck it on my pit board. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so I come over to the checkered flag, and I'm like, Okay, and the whole lap, I'm thinking, what does that mean? <laughs> and I come around, and Ron Wood was my mechanic at the time. Uh-huh. And I come around, and then Cooper finishes like third. Right. Because Matasevich pulled over, Denny Stevenson pulled over, uh, Larry Ward pulled over, yeah. I think, and a couple other guys or whatever. Right, right. And it's like, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, that sucked. Yeah, yeah, so. no doubt. Um, and, and again, it's nice to see Cooper win it. No offense, as a fan, Cooper yeah. was a good guy and all that. But look how close you were. You know, maybe two laps away from winning another. Oh, I know. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, do you think if you had won the title, you'd still be at Honda? You, you would have still been at Honda that next year, or were you out of there anyways? I think I was pretty much out of there. Yeah. Um, not as far as not performing, but I yeah. think that you know they they wanted Bale for full time. Uh, you know, for doing Supercross, Stanton was going to stay there. Right. Um, I think I don't think they were going to go. I don't know if they ended up going with three riders that year or, or whatnot the uh, next year, but yeah, I think they just I think they went with uh, Bale and Stanton. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, they were cutting back, and Callie was eager to get me, and mm-hmm. um, so uh, yeah, Roy Turner was talking to me, and that. So right. you know, I kind of wanted to be wanted somewhere. So um, um, I gotta say, off. I gotta say, as as a fan in Canada, uh, 
I'd never I seen a photo of you at a Golden State or something in the motocross action, but when it was announced that you'd gotten on the factory Honda team for '89, I was like, "Who is this dude in 762?" Of course, um, uh-huh. your number. What yeah. was that call like? Getting the call from Dave Arnold or Roger um, at the time to 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 ride for factory Honda? You might have you must have been like, "Whoa!" Oh yeah, I was I was stoked. Um, you know, before that, I was riding for Team Green and. Um, I'd done a couple nationals, uh, Sacramento. I think I went back to Texas. I did Gainesville, and I was probably finishing in the fifteenth to twenty each moto. Mm-hmm. I think in '88 at Gainesville, I got lapped by Kehoe and George Holland. Yeah, okay. um, when I was like Team Green rider, right, right. and uh, so I knew that Honda was going to come out with a bigger team, and they're going to have kind of more of a, a support. Uh, team, mm-hmm. and so then that's when they picked up me, Larry Ward, uh, Cooper was kind of always a support Honda guy, yeah, right. but he was mm-hmm. like the George Hall was the number one, Cooper was kind of right there, yep. and then we had the support guys that were going to do the West Coast and the East Coast, uh, 125 Supercross, right. and of course Stanton was there, and Rick Johnson was there. So um, I know there was there was me, Larry Ward. Yeah, Larry Ward was there because Ward won Southwick that year. Larry won Southwick. Yeah. yeah, and then who who else was on like East and um was uh, that's a good question. Donnie Schmidt was uh, he was a privateer though he wasn't on on the team. Yeah. Um, um was it DeHoop? I don't think so. Was no. Uh, yeah, that's something we got to look up. Yeah, you you got to look up. Uh, yeah, I got to look, look up. I think that was it. <laughs> I think you named it. Um, yeah. Yep. It's that time again. Time for a commercial. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. Listen to these commercials from BTOsports.com. Use the code Steve and JT Racing. Thank you, JT Racing, for coming on board. Listen to these commercials. Support the sponsors. And, yeah, then we'll get back to the show. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped at anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at btosports.com. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex feel gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. Funny story, Coop said that uh, he used to have these really good forks until Lunas, uh, was, who was working for RJ, uh, wanted them back because he, didn't, he needed a spare set. And, uh-huh. and Cooper still holds that against Lunas to this day. I did one of these with him. So he's very, very bitter against Lunas because it wasn't even for RJ's race bike. It was just for, um, for, a, spare, for a spare set. For yeah. Uh, and Cooper, Cooper said it couldn't help but notice that perhaps it was because he was getting closer to RJ 
on the track. Oh, really? So, yeah, maybe. You get um, coming a threat. <laughs> it's crazy, though. Like, um, you know, I talked to when, da- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. When uh, we, were, we were at Indian Dunes and we were doing our photo shoot when I signed with Honda. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I brought my bike there, and, and I had all the numbers off of it. And so they were going to bring their numbers to put on my bike. Mm-hmm. And so I show up, and everybody's there. And uh, so I go, um, "Is there? Does he, who's who has all the numbers?" And they go, "Oh, Brian Lennis does over there." So I walk over, and I go, "I go, um, Brian Lennis, can I get my numbers for my bike?" He goes, uh, "Yeah, hold on." And he gets this big thing, and he's like, uh, "What's your number?" And I said, "It's seven sixty-two." And he goes, "Seven sixty-two." He goes, "When did we start hiring area codes at Honda?" <laughs> <laughs> that's what he says to yeah, me yeah, yeah. and I'm like uh, I don't know I'm just I'm riding yeah. for Honda now <laughs> and so he he, go, he puts them out and he goes and I go okay thanks he goes you want me to put them on for you I go well if you want I mean geez, yeah. he's a full factor mechanic so he grabs the numbers and he just starts sticking them on my bike not even lining them up or oh. nothing and so if you really look at my like little card that yeah. I had they had stickers at the time right. my front number plate the numbers are all crooked <laughs> on there <laughs> uh, so it's like, and then i hired the guy like what you know eight yeah. years later or whatever yeah oh so that you did that was your your call to, to, to get yeah it? yeah 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 um well, well and also not to turn this into a bash brian lunas thing but uh i did another one of these with damon huffman and whole uh-huh. he had nothing good to say about brian and he i think at one point he goes let's just move on <laughs> oh really yeah yeah, yeah but uh, enough about that um what was but you know Dan Bentley, uh, Stanton's old mechanic, still at the races, Honda in charge of the Honda Motor Department, and yeah. uh, I love picking his brain and getting the old stories and stuff. And you know he he told me you know him and Cliff didn't like each other, Bale and Stanton yeah. didn't like each other, Bale and you didn't like each other. Uh, yeah. uh, I think Ron Wood didn't like Cliff. Uh, yeah. Do you remember all that? Was it was it just tension yeah. like crazy tension? All the time? Yeah, but, you know, there was a tension about it, but everybody kind of worked with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, probably as an outsider, you wouldn't recognize it. Right. Everybody did their job professionally, but it wasn't like, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna go out to dinner with him, yeah. you know, or anything, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I, that's all true. Dan, Dan's a great guy. Whenever I go to the Supercrosses and stuff, I always go over and see him and say hi and right, stuff. Right. And, um, um, he was he was cool. Uh, and then, of course, the, in, in 1990, Bale comes back, and uh, Dave Arnold asks him to help you, a la Guy Cooper, getting help. He says yeah. no and gets benched. That's yeah. it. <laughs> uh, yep. Um, so did you just you didn't get along with Bale? He he wasn't there to. No, not really. And he kind of smelled all the time, so <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't really like that. Well, he was like Villeman <laughs> when I was at, things too. <laughs> he was like Villeman when I was at Yamaha until he until he yeah. learned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Dave, Dave just benched him that one, which was again. I was a kid in Canada that had, to, and there was no internet around then, but that would have been massively huge deal back then. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, you, and you just you didn't want the help. You didn't care one way or another, probably. Yeah, I I didn't. I mean, I would liked it, but right. then he didn't. So um, uh, I'm glad Dave did that for me. Uh, how was RJ? Um, how was RJ? Like you said, RJ was great. Yep. Yeah, RJ was cool. Yeah, I mean, I I spent time at his house and stuff, mm-hmm. and I mean, he's a fun guy to be with, you know, right. and everything. So he was he was really cool. Um, and so let's let's fast flash full, uh, fast forward to the Cowie years. Uh, you mm-hmm. and Mike LaRocco, we have to talk about that. We did cover it in the first podcast, but. Um, of course, uh, you guys were going at it tooth and nail for a few summers for out in outdoors, 
and there was yeah. the infamous Red Bud um, uh, <laughs> Ghost Ride in Duel. Uh, yeah. And, and I did one of these with Roy Turner maybe a month ago, and uh-huh. he said it was pretty pretty intense up in the semi afterwards. But what do you remember from that? Um, what I remember is, is at the time, me and LaRocco were pretty much uh, beating the field pretty bad mm-hmm. um, at the national. So um, it was my, well, it would have been my second year. So I was number one that year, I believe. And, um, with the championship plate. And so we were racing and we were, we were only separated by like three points or five points. Mm-hmm. So if I won a moto, then he won the next moto. We were even at the end of the day. Yeah. And I was leading the moto, the first moto at Red Bud. He was behind me the whole time. And then the last half a lap, he comes in the very inside, kind of almost off the track inside. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the rut and just run straight into the side of my motorcycle. And it just just basically took my bike right out mm-hmm. from under, under me. And then it's just like clutching it, trying to get out of there. He hits me and kind of goes and takes off. And I was so mad. <laughs> and um, so I'm like, you know, he couldn't pass me, just get around me or square a turn off and drag race me down a straightaway or anything like that so uh yeah and my anger got the best of me at the end i just came off the finish line i said you know what i'm going to do the same thing to you because i know you got to make a right hand turn into the pits after <laughs> right, this right. so i just put her in third gear and just burp burp and then as soon as he turned i just ran right inside him kind of jumped off my bike right. a little bit before it hit him yeah and uh so then it was you know it was like what what are you doing that for i go see how it feels you know <laughs> doesn't feel very good huh yeah. and then everybody's running around his dad's there and everything and all the yelling and all that and then it's like yeah. okay we're up in the semi and ama didn't even know what to do yeah, you know it's yeah. like hey we got two teammates yeah. you know yeah. uh roy turner you gotta take care of your riders <laughs> it was like days of thunder kind yeah, of thing yeah, right yeah before it even came out i think but uh <laughs> And then it was like, okay, now we got to get up in the semi. We have another moto, and I'm basically two gear bags sitting between us in the top of the semi. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was kind of weird getting dressed for this next moto. And uh, so, yeah, then we went out the next moto, and he was leading. I was in second, and then he went into a turn and just washed out. And I went around right around him and mm-hmm. then uh, got the lead and then held the lead all the way. I don't think he even caught up to me. So no and, words, uh, no words exchanged in the semi, just silence. Just <laughs> yeah, it's basically just silence. Um, right. You know, Mike's a good guy and all yeah. that, but his dad and probably mom were more of the instigators. Yeah, you know, like you need to say something or do something or take him out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't care, but he's he's a pretty cool guy and stuff. So yeah, he told um, he told me in one of these that it, again, going back to none of these podcasts, but. He said if he had to do things over again, he might have ditched his dad sooner. Felt like his dad caused him a lot of problems at Suzuki and at, at Cowie. Yeah, yeah, I you think know? so. You know, it's just it's, when you get family and you get feelings in there and all yeah. that, it, right. it adds a lot of tension and stuff. So um, it, it, it is what it is. And uh, your off-road career after after you hung it up. Uh, well, let's talk about let, let let's talk a little bit about the Honda Troy. So you're 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 out of the deal. You retire at the Let, end. Let's not talk about Honda Detroit. Didn't we talk about that at the end? <laughs> I just want to know how many zeros were on the check uh, uh, to, to get you back. There was, there, there was. Uh, I know there was five. Yeah, and and, and a little, and then, yeah, I think five. Okay, all right. So maybe not that, not as many as I thought. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, you got hurt. You got hurt that year. I remember you maybe did go to Gainesville, yeah. where people were like, "Oh, okay, you still got it." And then after yeah. that, I think you got hurt or whatever. But. Um, 
you know, it was still cool to, to, to see you back, but yeah, it wasn't, you weren't at the same level as you when you retired, which is funny because it was only a year, but yeah. that's all it takes, right? I mean, yeah, and, and I think too, it was the Honda that came out with the aluminum frame yeah. and it was a little rigid, all that. So it was kind mm-hmm. of more of a little bit of a testing, right. too. And, uh, you know, Eric, me and Eric were buddies, riding buddies all the time and lived in the same area. And, and when it kind of came up, it was like, heck yeah, I'll do it, right. you know? And, uh, so it just was one of those things where we were trying to, you know, test, do all this stuff. Uh, everything was going, but nothing ever really materialized. And then I ended up getting hurt. I think I hurt my, I don't know if I broke my thumb or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I was out at a practice track over here, and the counter shaft sprocket came off, and I crashed real bad. And that was before I was going to head back to Washougal for the national. Mm-hmm. And I ended up fracturing my uh, my hip and stuff so um then from there on it that was it that was, you know, it. That was pretty much the end of the season so uh, um off-road career you did gncc's and you did work series uh yeah. you did first didn't you start riding on that drz thing at first yeah we yeah. were we were riding the drz and that's what oh i came back God. off-road with and yeah. shane nally was working for steve hatch at the time and um so when um i came back to off-road it was basically <clears throat> we're going to develop the DRZ uh, 400 for off-road and, <laughs> and everything, so we want you to see if you're interested in racing. I said, heck, yeah, I'll do yeah, it, you know, yeah. 12 races a year. That'll be fun. And, yeah, we had a blast, me, uh, Steve Hatch, and Rodney Smith and everything, and just, you know, going to races and going testing. And we'd go back east for a week and test and mm-hmm. um, kind of develop the whole bike. And Yoshimura was on board, and we know that they can build some parts and stuff and right. everything. And um, really worked on the bike and didn't didn't start out well. It overheated a lot in the mud races. It was real heavy. It was lower than the other bikes, so some of those ruts in the GNCCs can get real deep, and I was basically <laughs> dragging my foot pegs, and the tires weren't even hitting the ground in the right, rut. Right. So I was getting stuck quite a bit and stuff like that. And then uh, – so we ended up kind of racing it, but then we started the work series. So we said, you know what, let's race the DRZ out west, and yep. we'll ride the RM250s on the GNCCs. Yeah. And um, so the, we started doing the work series, and the bike was great for those because it was a little more deserty, mm-hmm. not as uh, rutted, not too many water holes, stuff like that. It was a little bit faster speed, so our temperatures stayed right. stayed relatively low. And um, had great success through that. I, I wish I would have um, got a GNCC championship. You right. know, I was like in a top five there all the time. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> other than that, then I rode the uh, DRZ out west and won two works championships. And um, Yoshimura put a lot of time and effort into that bike, and it, it turned out to be an awesome bike. And then I think that was kind of a uh, – a little bit of the development for Suzuki to go in when they went into the four strokes right, too. Right. You know, they they knew what they needed and, and what the four stroke needed to be like. Mm-hmm. So uh, when the when the RMZ came out for four fifty, then it was kind of productioned off of that a little bit. You uh, how many years total off road works in GNCCs? Um, what did I do seven Five, seven years. Seven years, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you hung it up early in moto, but it's not like you, you know, yeah. and maybe some moto guys forgot about you, but seven more years of racing, you know, yeah. professionally. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, and and probably a lot of that was, is we had a good group of people on my team. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Rodney Smith, Steve Hatch, Mike Webb, Shane Nally. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, we had, uh, 
uh, he's going to kill me cause if he listens to this. Uh, he works for Dunlap now. He's at all the Supercrosses. Oh, uh, Marshall? No. no. Yeah, Marshall Plum. Marshall? Uh, he, he, yeah, Marshall was working for Steve Hatch for a few oh, years. Oh, that's right. And yeah, yeah. So, uh, man, we, you know, we had so much fun. That's what I'm saying. It, it went yeah. by so fast. You, you, can't, um, you can't forget about Marshall Plum because he also worked for Ross Rollerball Peterson. Never mind Cooper. Ross yeah, Rollerball Peterson. Yeah, Cooper and Ross, yeah. Right, and, yeah. and, you know, me being Canadian – Ross is up there with Jesus, so yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but we, we always hold Marshall in high esteem. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we had great years there that right. were were just phenomenal. And I mean, as all we did was laugh and go race and win. So it was yeah, cool. Um, now, when you hung it all up, when you were all done before um, uh, done the off road stuff, did you did you manage to put some money away? Like, were you? Were, did yeah. You, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had put money away and stuff like that. So you don't strike um, me as yeah. a hookers and blow type of guy. No, you know? <laughs> no, never did that. I mean, I bought some car, a car here, right, and there, and uh, not really a, a big spender of other things. You know, right. I just had my trucks and stuff, and that was it. Uh, so. Biggest rival of your career, would you say? <clears throat> um, I was thinking I was, about it. I was thinking Bradshaw, Larocco. Yeah. You know. I, I was thinking Bradshaw, probably, because yeah. um, he was a totally different rider than I was, mm-hmm. and um, you never knew what you were going to get with him when he was behind you. He was kind of maybe like the intimidator a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> we, you know, we just had good races right. um, all the time, and um, I remember the L.A. Coliseum. We had the shootout there. I ended up winning, mm-hmm. but uh, we were battling like the whole time. Um, through the 89 Nationals, we were battling on 125s. Now, um, uh, somebody at Yamaha told me this story. Maybe you can help me. Maybe it's a, a folklore now at this point. But, uh, you know, I worked at Factory Yamaha for a number of years. They told me 89, Red Bud. I think they said Red uh-huh. Bud. Bradshaw is gone, checking out. He slows down to let you by, passes you back, slows down again, lets you by, kind of mocking you a little bit. And then he, and then he ended up getting a huge dent in his pipe from either a rock or something, and he pulled off and DNF'd. And, and, uh-huh. and they were just like classic Damon, just, you know, it came back to bite him. He was so arrogant that he was uh, showing Kurdowski up, and then it ended up, you know, the moto gods got him with this ding in his pipe. But um, yeah. is it true? Do, do you remember that? You know, I don't, I don't re- really remember that, but I know it, kind of the way his riding style was. Mm-hmm. Well, what I thought it was is he could put in some fast laps. Yeah. But then he'd get tired. Mm-hmm. So then he'd kind of like his arms would go down and everything, <laughs> and he'd just kind of, uh. Right. And then, then I'd catch back up, and it was like, okay, i got to throw in a couple more laps. So then he'd throw down a couple more laps, and then his tongue would start getting caught in the spokes. <laughs> right, and right. then, you know, I, I was just consistent every, mo- every lap. Right, right. And it was like, God dang, I, I catch him, but then he pulls away, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I catch him, and then he pulls away. God dang it, he can put down some laps, you know? Uh-huh. So... I think that's more what it was, but um, I don't know. You know, he, he obviously didn't finish the race, and I won, so that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. Now, I was talking to, to Wardy about you, and he said he loved having you on the team because unlike any other teammate he's had, he could talk to somebody about training. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> how, how, I guess Lachine didn't cut it. Uh, I guess Matasevich <laughs> and Lachine didn't, they didn't want to talk training. Uh, uh, yeah. They didn't have a subscription uh, to men's fitness like like you and Wardy did. Um, yeah. Uh, but how much did you train? How much did you do? I mean, were you were you pretty gnarly? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I rode bicycles a lot, so that's probably where me and Morty had a lot in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, rode bikes and stuff, and he rode. Um, and then just riding the motorcycle, um, you know, running, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd, I'd talk to him about this and that, or I got a new bicycle, and, right. you know, it had these components on it, stuff like that, you know. Yeah. So um, we always just kind of hit it off and stuff, and, um, he, you know, he was always fun to talk to when he went to dinner, and he'd talk about, you know, racing with other guys, yeah, and yeah. Rick Johnson, all them and stuff. So, and and he was a, a you know a champion 125 rider, right? Um, before and a, you know 250 and a 500, you know. So mm-hmm. I always, you know, when I moved up, it's like, hey, Wardy, you know, God, you know, I'm on 250 now. What do you do here and this and that? What do you do on the you know right. the 500s and everything? Right. He says. 500, stay out of the roost because it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, wow, and, thanks. <laughs> yeah, and, and ride it smooth, you know. So, oh. uh, you know, so probably I just always was uh, wanting information or asking him about his information stuff. So, uh, um, but we always had good conversations and laughed a lot. Um, Daytona Supercross, three straight years you won it. And I was looking up to further enhance my argument that you're one of the most underrated riders. I couldn't find a list. All in one place, but I got I know Stanton won it three years or four years, and yourself yeah. won it three years. Other than that, I, I, I don't know. Schultz won it two years in a row in the early 80s, but um, that's yeah. got to be maybe some sort of record or something. Or yeah, right yeah, I think it was pretty high up there. Um, it seems like they still kind of talk about me a little bit for Daytona. Right. And I, I believe at the Daytona Speedway, there's a picture of everybody that's won there mm-hmm. um, for the Supercross. So I have a few pictures up there and stuff. What and, uh, um, what was it about the place? Then, what was it? Just you just loved it. You just thrived in the conditions. Um, yeah, it was just uh, the track was cool. It was kind of a little bit more high speed. Um, you know, it still had the triples and the doubles, and and I think you know before the jumps, it got kind of a hole before them. Yeah, yeah. and so guys that were you know weren't like attacking the track they they had a tough time making the doubles and stuff so you always kind of had to be attacking the track at daytona mm-hmm. and if you kind of laid off a little bit it ended, it would end up biting you right so um you kind of always had to stay aggressive and keep your momentum flowing um and then when i was there you know before i I'd, I'd done the east coast 125 supercross right and everything so i'd race there on a 125 before and and everything so the it was just good and that was kind of more the summer was coming around, too. Right. And so, like, training off the motorcycle and stuff, it was better. And, you know, we'd always go to Daytona and go running or bring our bicycles and go bike riding, you know, stuff like that before Daytona. Because mm-hmm. usually we did the Gainesville National the week before, and then we'd stay all week and right. then do Daytona. So we were back in Florida, and it was you'd like ride summer it, was coming. You'd ride at Croom during the week and, and, and to get ready yeah. and all that. Yeah, but- yeah. You, so, uh, what was it, um, um, what was it just, you at the, at, you weren't really known as a supercar specialist, but mentally you just had to know that you had these guys, I guess, right? Like you're super confident going into that race every year. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what it was. You yeah. know, I, I knew how to ra- ride the track. Um, right. that was the main thing, you know, you figure out how to ride that track. You can do it every time. And, and also I think. My bike setup. Yep. Um, I set my bike up good. One, I knew what I needed the setup to be. 
um, for for the track. Mm-hmm. And so uh, every year we just set our bike up the same. <laughs> right, right. And and I was like, you know, I need to change this a little bit. Need to change it. Okay. And we'd set it up, and it was like, hey, we're ready to go. Um. So and uh, um. Yeah, and also too for people who don't know, like it was the middle of the day, and it was I watched uh I watched. What did I watch the other day? Ninety two, I think, the other day. And it was so rough, it's ridiculous. I mean, there's no smooth lines anywhere on that track. And yeah. and, and I do you watch nowadays when you watch Daytona, you must just cry because it's at night under the lights and it's a full supercross track. You must just go, What yeah. ha- what happened? I, <laughs> I you know what, I, I I think they just wanted to make it more of a supercross track, you know. <laughs> right, I mean, right. It, it's yeah, it kind of ruined it a little bit, I think. But yep. yeah, it's, you know, times change too. Right. I mean, you know, maybe the it's just as rough, but the four fifties now are so much better, and the suspension's better that it doesn't look that rough. No, you know, no, I, I'm I, not out there yeah. riding it, so I couldn't tell you. Trust me. But I, I think <laughs> they've, you know, instead of having the long whooped out straightaways where it had kickers, mm-hmm. and you know, it wasn't like you were just pinned going down the straightaways, like kind of more like wheeling the bike and it had square edges and you had to kind of wheelie them and time them. If you didn't, it kicked the back end and then, right. you know, you were in a whole bunch of trouble. Um, uh, and then they've taken the clay and they've lengthened it out on the face of the jump. So it doesn't get a big hole in the sand right before the takeoff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that kind of changed the way the jumps are, which they had to do it because they wanted the guys to be jumping high in the air to make it a super cross. It's hilarious because, your lap it's a 40 man field you're literally lapping people on the second lap second or third yeah. lap you're lapping guys already yeah yeah well i mean whether they went down the first turn or somewhere or whatever but yeah i mean i, I just I, think it's it was that tough and gnarly that by the time you it was. you know by the time you got to the 40 man it was either 30 or 40 i know it was 40 one year maybe it was 30 when you were doing it but um it, by then i think the guys were just done you know it was it was uh, four o'clock in the afternoon by that time and yeah, and, and I think the track really wore you out. Um, the way the jumps, you had to pound into them to uh-huh. bounce over to get over the jump or the double. And, I mean, the guys, a lot of people, it took a toll on them. And it was a, how long was that moto back then? It was almost 30 minutes yeah. for a 20-lap main, yeah. you know? Um, so that's a long time. One more topic before we hang it up here. Uh, motocross the Nations, you're th- you went 3-1. and one. Uh, 89, yeah. you were a surprise selection. I think a little bit of a surprise selection. You went to Germany. Um, yeah, Dogger claims. I think Dogger claims that he was supposed to go, but then he broke his leg or something. Yeah, um, or I, I can't remember. He told me because it was in the middle of the nationals. It wasn't. It wasn't at the end of the nationals in '89, which was really weird. Yeah, but anyways, um, uh, what'd you think in '89 when you went? Uh, you were kind of a surprise, but you won the 125 class. Yeah, and I think at the time it was a good choice because I was winning the mm-hmm. nationals. Right, you know. Right. So it was like, okay, let's take our fastest guy here. If he's winning the Nationals, let's yep. take our fastest guy. So right. I think they made the right choice, and I was Clearly. I was up for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew I was winning and stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I, I didn't know really too many of the Europeans, so I wasn't, you know, worried like, right. oh, this guy's <laughs> yeah, yeah. going to be fast, or, yeah. you know, this guy's going to be fast. So right. it was like, hey, I'm riding, man. Let's go. Yeah, you know? hard pack. I'm doing good. Hard pack, fast track too. I watched. It. Oh yeah. yeah, it was it was like riding the 405 freeway. Yeah, it, um, was, it was gnarly. In two years, you went from getting lapped at Gainesville to 
winning the nationals and representing America, motocross nations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty, definitely pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, uh, ninety one, you went ninety. You didn't go. Defending champion, they they sent Bradshaw, and yeah. uh, as as I wrote, uh, he collapsed. He crashed himself back out. Um, yeah. Uh, ninety one, you got to go back, and you you got second behind Everett, which it's it yeah. was in Vulcansoir, deep sand, nothing to be yeah. ashamed of there. Yeah, we that track was deep, deep sand. Yeah. Make Southwick look sad, mm-hmm. and it was fast, like right. big, giant, rolling jumps and rough and deep sand. And uh, we were there like a week before, and I think we went through like three or four motors. Right. We we're getting motors like next day over to Europe. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it, was, it was pretty wild. Yeah, so uh, it was a good race, but uh, it was really tough. I remember that. What do you remember about 92? Now, nobody, we sent a B team to Australia, and I remember as a fan reading that Stanton bowed out. Did you bow out? Did you, were, were, it was sort of like you and Jeff and a bunch of guys um, got together and were like, we don't want to go to Australia? Like, what happened yeah. in order that we sent Lyles, Larocco, and Emig? Um, I'm trying to think <laughs> why that was. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, I don't even really remember. Right, right. Um, well, 292, the only thing I won was, was that 92? Yeah, 92. Yeah. Yeah, 92. Um. You didn't win. Did did I win the 500 championship that year? Yeah, I think you won the 500s that year. Yeah, I think I won the 500 championship. Yeah, you did. You won the 500s. And I wasn't really the top, top guy in the Nationals. Mm -hmm. Um, I think LaRocco was more of our, our faster guy. Right. Um. And then I think I might have won one national or something that year in the two fifties. Yeah, I don't know why. I remember that, but I don't know. uh, Maybe you weren't even. Maybe you weren't even in the running. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, I don't even think I was really in the running um, for that. Ninety three, ninety three. You go to Austria, and I just read an article on it the other day where Skip Norfolk, my grass mechanic, said that you were the man that day. You came through big time for um, for America. You rode the five hundred. What do you remember about that one? Um, I remember we were, I, I got a decent start where we were back a little ways and it was about halfway through the moto and, uh, Shane put on the pit board, Hey man, you got to get up, you know, two more spots, mm-hmm. two more spots. And, uh, so I basically just hammered down. I knew I had enough time and, and I knew I was catching up to him. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just, you know, worked my way up, caught up to him and, and got by him. There was, there was ruts on the track. Like it would be, a a left hand going down a hill mm-hmm. and then a left hand turn and then back up the hill and the rut was so deep that it was taking the radiator shrouds on the KX500 and folding them backwards. Jeez, through, wow. Through the rut. That's yeah, how yeah. deep the rut was. Right. Yeah. It was just gnarly. I'd come in after practice and stuff and it would be white creases on both sides on that Jeez, one side. Wow. Uh, of, of that. And uh my 500 was f- fabulous, you know. Right. So it was like, oh, I got these guys covered, man. Right. Um, so it was yeah, it was just a good race. We all worked hard and we won. Which wasn't far off from Lachine's 588 when he won. <laughs> yeah, probably not cuz I think it was the same price. <laughs> same bike. It could have been the same bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh yeah. and then of course 94 you go again and this was yeah. probably your worst as nations uh it was worse uh, Emeg didn't do well or none of you guys I watched yeah. this race too. Uh USA ended the streak and maybe this is why Mike Kardowski, that people forget about you you you, you cost America the <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But a bad day for everybody. 
Yeah, you know, that track was uh, really weird. It, it mm-hmm. had no bumps on it. Yep. It was wide open from one valley to the next valley, down the hill and up the other side, and there was rocks in it. And I wore a chest protector, I think, for the first time because we heard it was going to be really rocky. And I had my uh, custom-painted motocross designations helmet when Troy Lee gave me two visors. And we went there, and uh, the first moto, I cracked one visor, yeah. and the second moto, I cracked the second visor. And I still have the helmet here in my house, <laughs> and it has a cracked visor yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. And the whole front of it and top of it is just completely chipped, right. the whole thing. And so I, I don't think the track suited us very well at mm-hmm. all, and it wasn't what we expected. Um, we should have probably dropped about two or three teeth in the rear sprockets to go faster. Right. But I think it was such fast speeds that we weren't used to that yeah. um, going that fast, and our eyeballs were wobbling. Yeah, it was so, like uh, you know, I watched the race, and you're just going like you're setting up, you know, you know, maybe 50 feet before the corner, sweeping on the inside, sweeping yeah. to the left, and just never seeming to back off, just making yeah. Gradual yeah, sweeps. it was it was a really fast race. So um, I, I I mean that was a lot of my problem there. So you didn't have a lot of disappointments in your career. You know the Cooper loss, obviously, uh, and this this nation's fair to say that th- that race that one stings still a little bit. Well, maybe um, not still, but uh, it did. Yeah, I, I think there's you know it did. I mean you you know you, after you win you're like you know you're on top of the world when you fly home and all that, and then you go there and lose. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! You know, right, uh, right? But what did we get? Second, I think. Yeah. I don't know if we got second or even third, maybe. Yeah, second. But still, that's not too bad. You know, I'll let you, really you in. Look at it. I'll let you in on a little secret. Um, uh-huh. nineteen two thousand and three. I was the uh, on Team USA, uh, oh, okay. working for Tim Ferry, and we lost my one and only time. And I was, Did you? and I was a member of the last USC team to lose. So, oh, uh, um, you know, I can, I can relate. I can relate. We yeah, got, we got second, hey, but it at least felt you got to go. Well, that's just it. I, I mean, I'll never, I'll never lose that memory. But yeah. we got second, and you would there's silence in the paddock afterwards, <laughs> floating up. <laughs> yeah, no one was happy. Um, and, and and you're like, hey man, I'm I'm just stoked to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm at the motocross friggin' the nations as a mechanic. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> does it get any better? And then you look around, and no one wants to talk to you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, good times. Uh-oh. Well, um. Thank you for doing this. Uh, oh, also another, yet another achievement for you. One of on, and one that will never be matched. One uh, of only two riders to win all three outdoor championships. Yourself and Jeff Ward. Yeah, um, and, yeah. I'm pretty. I'm pretty stoked about that. Right. This would be in company with Jeff Ward. That's pretty cool. So. Yeah, no um, doubt. He, I, I told you. I always picked his brain and talked to him about stuff. And yeah. So, I guess it paid off. Yeah. Clearly. Clearly. Um. Well, uh, thank you for doing the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast. Mike Krudowski, um, uh, I'm pumped to get a chance to talk to you. And like I said, um, you know, one of, probably one of the most underrated motocrossers ever. And I'm glad we could uh, recognize this and, and try to bring your name back a little bit because, yeah, n- more people need to maybe just think about how many races you won. Yeah, <laughs> well, th- thank you very much. I mean, there's there's a lot of great racers out there that probably don't get enough publicity and stuff. But uh, I appreciate you calling me. You know, you can call me anytime, uh, and I can give you yeah. a- any kind of information I can. Or if you just want to bench race, no problem. Yeah, well, now I got your number, so now that's trouble for you. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, thanks very much, Mike. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot. See Bye. You. See you. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200 episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.